and welcome to Crest in the Afternoon. I'm Gary Machida sitting in for all Crest. Uh, yeah, one of the beautiful things about being Catholic is all the saints and the remarkable things God has done with them. And when I say remarkable, I mean remarkable. And today's feast is of St. Joseph Cupertino, sometimes known as the Flying Saint. Well, did St. Joseph of Cupertino really fly? Well, to discuss that with us, we have Father Dwight Longenecker with us. He was raised in the evangelical home, attended uh, Bob Jones University, and pursued further studies of theology at Oxford. He's ordained an uh, Anglican minister, and in 1995, he was received into the Catholic Church in England. And 11 years later, he returned to his native United States to be ordained a Catholic priest, he now serves as a pastor for Our Lady of the Rosary Catholic Church in Greenville, South Carolina. And he's the author of several fantastic books, and uh, you can check all that stuff out and uh, his website. And Father Longnecker, welcome to Crest in the Afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Yes, well, uh, yeah, and I I love the description. This is one of my favorite saints, is St. Joseph of Cupertino. Of course, everybody rem- knows about him as the Flying Saint, but tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, St. Joseph Cupertino was a poor family in Cupertino in Italy in 1603. His father was a poor carpenter who died before he was born, and his impoverished mother gave, him bir- gave birth to him in a stable. So a bit like Jesus in that respect, I suppose. <laughs> the poor boy started out with no advantages, and his misfortunes continued. And to put it bluntly, he wasn't very bright. He was too stupid even to be taught anything, according mm-hmm. to the stories. And everything he attempted, he, he failed. But his ecstasies, his mystical ecstasies, began early in life. And he would suddenly sort of stop and stare, totally distracted, as if in a trance. He got the idea that he was good for nothing, so he might make it as a friar. Um, but he was rejected because he was unteachable. Eventually, he return, went out to l- live as a beggar and then returned to offer to servant in the friary. And somehow they took it, they took him anyway. Hmm. And somehow, by God's providence, he actually made it through to ordination as a priest. Yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, a rough beginning. Um, I've heard that, you know, him having ecstasies at a really young age made people misinterpret it as him being slow or, or dumb, right? Because uh, they would ask him a question, and he'd be staring out in the space. Have you heard about things like that? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I missed, I missed the question. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, um, uh, you know, it, the, the common uh, bio is that he was considered dumb, but I've also heard people say that since he had ecstasies, you know, these ecstatic visions when he was young, that maybe that contributed to him being considered, you know, not very smart. Uh, do, do you think there's any truth to that? Yeah, I mean, in t- today he might have been um, diagnosed as, you know, with some sort of a, a mental uh, deficiency or some sort of mental and emotional deficiency, an educational, being educational, educationally subnormal or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if a young guy is standing around, you know, with his slack-jawed with a sort of dead look in his eyes, you might think he's, a, he's just, you know, the village idiot. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and back in those days, when they didn't know quite so much as we do about human development, maybe that's probably how, what he was, what, he, what they considered him to be. Yeah, yeah. It, you can see where that would very easily, you know, get the wrong diagnosis. And uh, so he had difficulty entering holy orders. Uh, 
Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, he was rejected because he was considered to be unteachable. Um, and you have to have a certain amount of uh, ability to be able to do the studies that are required to be able to enter into a, uh, into a, uh, into a religious order. Um, and uh, he was rejected on that account, but somehow or other he squeezed through to actually make it a, to be ordained as a priest. I suppose uh, they made some, created some loopholes for him or, or sort of gave him a pass on some things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, don't, you don't need a degree to be very holy, but you do need to be able to read if you want to be a priest. At least, certainly back then, you needed it. Yeah, um, and obviously, he was able to learn to read to make it that far. But I don't—I mean, I don't know that much more about his the actual details of his yeah. of his life. Yeah. But, so uh, we do know that he was—he was considered to be extremely stupid. Yeah. So he's known as the Flying Saint. Tell us a little bit about that. Did he actually fly? Well, stories of actual levitation um, uh, amongst certain saints are actually, you know, pretty historically reliable. Uh, sometimes the levitation is just where they sort of, while they're saying Mass, they might sort of uh, rise up a few inches off the ground supernaturally. Others seem to float uh, in the air. And, of course, we have to be careful with this kind of phenomena, too, because the Church actually says this sort of phenomena does not necessarily guarantee um, sanctity or holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed, this phenomena of levitation in states, while in states of meditation is actually documented in other religions as well. So it's neither a guarantee of holiness, and, and certainly not, and certainly not a guarantee of Christian holiness either. Yeah, yeah, that's Saint true. Joseph Cupertino would have been considered a saint because of his holiness of life, not because he could levitate or because he had mystical visions. Yeah, and unfortunately with us, you know, we are drawn to the spectacular, and, uh, you know, we miss the most important things, like his uh, sanctity. It's easy to be swayed and be and be struck and be awestruck by psychic gifts and mystical visions, but um, the Church teaches us, again, that we should not rely on these things as necessarily being a sign of holiness, and we should always be have a, a healthy skepticism about them. One of the great famous stories, favorite stories I have about levitation is a story about St. Thomas Aquinas. And the story goes that the novices in the monastery were quite thrilled by the fact that a nun in a nearby convent was levitating. And so they pressed Thomas Aquinas, come and see this great, this great marvel, come and see this great marvel. And he sort of drew back and didn't want to go. Uh, and finally he was convinced to go and see this great marvel of the nun never levitating. So... When he finally saw this, the novice said to him, "So, what do you make of this, Father?" And he sort of said, "I didn't know that one. I didn't know that nuns wore such big, big boots." <laughs> In other words, he was trying to say, "It's no big deal, guys. You know, um, really, this is not the test for holiness." Yeah. And. St. Thomas Aquinas was a believer in mystical experiences and in supernatural wonders, um, but he didn't put much credence in them as, as necessarily being so so wonderful. They were, I think he regarded them simply to be unusual um, human gifts. Mm, yeah, you know, Some people yeah. have a gift of being psychic or having a gift for being a mystic. Some people obviously have a gift for, being le- for levitating um, in prayer or meditation, and many, most of us do not, um, and therefore... We might regard this gift really uh, as we might regard any human gift, like a gift of being musical, a gift of playing basketball really, really well, 
or a gift of being um, especially artistic. It matters what you do with the gift, who you dedicate it to, rather than having the gift itself, even if it's a very unusual and awesome gift. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about Padre Pio. He had so many gifts. And yet, for Padre Pio, it was... Uh, it wasn't something he gloried in. It was something that drove him to humility. Yes, and Padre Pio is a good case a case in point, where he was gifted with many psychic and spiritual gifts, but it's his holiness and his humility and his yeah. reverence at the altar um, that, that are the real signs of his holiness. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, what can we learn about Joseph Cupertino um that we could apply in our lives. Well, I think one of the things we can we can take is that uh, holiness, while holiness does not rely on mystical visions and mystical experiences and, and psychic gifts, neither does it rely on uh, intellectual gifts and being especially academic or having ac- academic or intellectual accomplishments. That holiness is a gift from the Lord, which is reliant on humility. Uh, on discipline uh, and on, on prayer, and actually being, being allowing the Holy Spirit to help let us be conformed to the image of Christ, and that can happen to anybody. Um, anybody who, who puts their mind to it and puts their heart to it, by God's grace, can 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 achieve the sanctity that's required. Yeah, yeah. So if uh, Saint Joseph of Cupertino can be a saint, we can be a saint. Yeah. The other thing is. Um, Advice, probably not to try flying yourself. Okay? Um, <laughs> yes, you might. You might actually um, do some damage to yourself, especially when you take a plunge when it, when it suddenly it doesn't work anymore. One of the things, that, other things I like about Saint Joseph Cupertino is that he's actually the patron saint of uh, airline pilots and hot air balloon pilots and anybody who's anybody who who has flying as their profession. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so he's well, the patron saint of airline pilots. Uh, anybody who works in the airline industry yeah. flies for a living. Yep. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, Father, you know, you, you you do some great blogs. You do a lot of writing. Are you working on anything right now? Well, I have um, just completed my, my autobiography, my conversion story from sort of fundamentalist American fundamentalism to going over to England uh, to be an Anglican priest and then coming back to be ordained as a Catholic priest. It's called There and Back Again. And lovers of J.R. Tolkien will notice that I've, st- I've, I've sort of borrowed a title from him there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, and uh, boy, what a work of grace in, in your uh, life. Uh, so coming from England, uh, you are in Greenville, um, South Carolina, was it difficult for the parishioners to wrap their minds around your English accent? Um, no, I think by the time <laughs> I was actually working in the parish, it had gone back to being a bit more of a sort of southern accent. Okay. Some people say I still sound a little bit English, but um, I think it's pretty much faded by now. <laughs> I can put on a good southern accent if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, you know, uh, some people are bilingual, trilingual. Uh, it's not bad having a different accents, so you can relate to people everywhere. Um, but so, you ask about projects. If we're yes. talking about flying, I'm thinking of finally writing the book that I've been wanting to write for a long time about the sword of St. Michael with the um, seven monasteries dedicated to St. Michael that are in a straight line across Europe. 
Oh, and I wow. I think that could be a winner. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, you might want to look it up online. It's called the Sword of St. Michael. And the famous monastery of Mont Saint-Michel is one of them. But there's six other monasteries dedicated to St. Michael, which are on a geographical straight line, which stretch, stretches from Ireland all the way to the Holy Land. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah, that would definitely be an interesting project to write about. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't familiar with that. Um, so uh, that's surprising in and of itself that uh, it has this straight line. Well, I hear the music coming up. Father, where can go, people go to uh, access your blog and other things? Yeah, people are always welcome to come to my blog at DwightLongenecker.com. They can browse my books. They can read my blog posts and be in touch. There's also some audio and video content there uh, they might want to tap into. All right. Well, Father, thank you so much for coming on Crest in the afternoon. Nice talking to you. Give my regards to Al when you see him. <laughs>